I think I shared early on, like my, my first reaction, I was embarrassed and thinking, oh my gosh, now everybody knows. Now everybody knows. <laughs> they see me with all my flaws. I feel like I'm standing in front of a crowd wearing just my underpants and everybody <laughs> sees it all. It's just, it just was very like, mm-hmm. yes, Exposing. It, was, it was very weird. Hey, welcome to The Art of Spousing. We are so glad you joined us. Thank you for taking time to listen to the show. Yeah, we know your time is a precious commodity, so we value that you would use some of it on us. We have a pretty big event coming up in a couple of weeks that we want to let you know about. I know. I'm so excited, James. October 1st, 8.30 to 2.30 in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida. We have this event called Ignite. That's right. We have our good friends and our senior pastors, Todd and Julie Mullins, and our friends, Jimmy and Irene Rollins, that will be speaking. And we'll be speaking in one of the general sessions as well. That's right. So there's three general sessions and then there's three different breakouts. You can choose two of the breakouts. It's going to be an equipping, enriching time. If you're in the area, we want you to join us. So tickets are on sale. So we have a link in the show notes if you want to check that out. If you're going, it'd be great if you'd just come up and say hey to us. We'd love to meet you there. Okay. So we're so excited about today's content. We spent some time with our lifelong friends, Dave and Bethany Cush all around on the Enneagram and how it has impacted their marriage and things they've learned from that and grown from that. Yeah, there's some really great stuff in the interview. Like you said, Lisa, we've known Dave and Bethany for like 20 years. Our kids have grown up together. We both walked through some life transitions and challenging times together and have maintained a close friendship through it all. It is a miracle. That's true. Besides being my cycling compadre, Dave is the executive director of HR and leadership development at Christ Fellowship Church, where he also serves on the senior management team. And Bethany has just recently transitioned to the group's ministry department and serves and serves with you and I and everything married people at Christ Fellowship. Like us, the Cushes have three kids, although we have a straggler who's 17. They have three adult kids. Right. And they have grandbabies. I know you're jealous. I know. Four grandbabies. We are truly thankful that they agreed to sit down and process their relationship and their relationship dynamic in light of the Enneagram. So if you're unfamiliar with the Enneagram, it's a tool of empathy and learning that reveals core motivations. And we find this tool incredibly helpful for marriages because it provides opportunity to identify patterns in the way a spouse responds and behaves, and that that awareness positions a couple to shift interactions. So it increases strength and reduces ways that they may inadvertently weaken their relationship. It's going to be a fantastic show because you're going to see how Dave and Bethany have leveraged themselves and their personalities to strengthen their marriage. And so if you're not familiar with the Enneagram or you just want to update yourself, we encourage you to go back and listen to season one, episode eight, where I give an overview of the components of the Enneagram. But before we jump into the conversation, we want you to hear about a powerful experience that we believe can take your marriage from good to great. If you're looking for that one thing that could be the game changer for your relationship, then the Marriage Reboot Retreat is just for you. If you want a greater connection with your spouse, if you are tired of feeling stuck in the same old, same old, if you desire to feel the thrill of fun and discovery again, like you did when you first met, we can help. We support couples to reconnect, recharge, and re-engage to pursue their life purpose together. The Marriage Reboot Retreat by Married for a Purpose is a private, intensive experience for you and your spouse working exclusively with Lisa and I for two consecutive full days. At the end of the two days, you will walk away with a unified purpose for your marriage and a holistic vision for your marriage and family supported with a real action plan. If you would like to find out more information about the Marriage Reboot Retreat, you can set up a discovery call with James and I and we will tell you more about it. The link is in the show notes or you can direct message us on Instagram at Art Espousing and we will send you a link to schedule a discovery call. 
Dave and Bethany, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It's so good to see you guys. Oh, it's it's great to be with you guys. This is awesome. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Well, we've had the joy of being friends for such a long time. Our kids have grown up together. We've done ministry together for a long time. So just to actually introduce you all to the podcast, I think it's going to be so special for everybody listening today. Sounds good. I'm ready to jump in. This is going to be very interesting. You guys know it's pretty darn good. So Good thing we're talking about y'all and y'all aren't talking about us. That's I love true. that. That's true. We have a little secrets of our own. That's right. Well, to get us started, why don't you just take some time to share a little bit about your marriage journey from the beginning to where you are today? All right. So we both grew up in Christian homes and neither one of us had divorce on either side of our families. That doesn't mean that there was no dysfunction, but there was no divorce. So we had, you know, strong family background. We met at a small Christian college in Ohio. I think I knew right away that I wanted to marry you. Oh, I totally knew right away. You were so cute. (laughs) Well, we were engaged. We were engaged within six months of meeting each other and then married eight months after that. Eight months later. It was pretty quick. Yeah, but the... But the interesting thing was we had both graduated from college and the wedding was like really soon after graduation. So, uh, but neither of us had jobs. Right. And so that was a, a little, um, we didn't go into it knowing we weren't going to have jobs. We had, <laughs> did have a plan. It just, some things happened that prevented. Neither of us had jobs yes. and we made it work <laughs> yeah. until we both had jobs. Right. And, yeah. uh, but the, the cool thing was through that whole season, we were always supporting each other, encouraging each other with our words. And it was like, it was teamwork. Mm-hmm. For us, it was always teamwork. Mm-hmm. And I also just really feel like we've always been continual learners as a couple. From the very start, we've always been trying to figure out how we can uh, improve our marriage, how you know, we, we've always gone to like finance seminars and conferences, uh, learning about money and how to handle it. You like you like the you like the finance ones. The parenting, <laughs> the, the parenting ones was the, were the ones that you loved. Yes. Um, and so we've always been trying to like learn from others, people who are ahead of us and yeah. try to build that into our marriage. And, um, then we started having kids two years into our marriage yeah. and you stayed, you decided to stay, we both, home. we both decided that you were going to stay right. home. From the, we knew we were going to do that from right. the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Dave actually worked in the corporate world for about 15 years in different areas, finance, construction, development, that kind of thing. And then the last 15 years, He's been in full-time ministry. And then I came in, you know, working after the kids grew up and went their own ways. I stepped on to the ministry team about nine years ago. And now we're kind of empty nesters. Sort of. Yeah. Because now they're coming back, but yeah, but we we are empty nesters. Yeah. 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 Well, we met you guys when Dave was still in corporate world. Right. Right. So Mm -hmm. almost 20 years ago. So we've known you in that world and ministry world, which is kind of a cool thing to no, you guys. And so everything that you've said is actually true about you. We've seen you as lifelong learners, growing individually and growing together. So all good. Okay. So both of you guys, you know, you, you've known me when I, since I've been in my thirties. Right. So uh, with knowing that, I just want to say to you right now, um, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we might should say same. Yeah, exactly. I'm so glad we're not the same people we were back in our thirties, right? That's so. right. That's awesome. Okay. So we're um, coming into all things about Enneagram and actually your numbers, I'm not going to give it all away, are a common couple combination. That's right. And so all of you out there listening, you're going to learn so much from this, um, not only because you are great married people, but because you have great learnings about each other's. So Bethany, we're going to start with you. What is your core Enneagram type that you identify with? 
how'd you come to discover it? And maybe even one sentence for your reaction to hearing your core type. Okay. All right. Um, so my core Enneagram type is a nine and I have a one wing. So my tri-type is actually a nine to five. Okay. And I really started working on this a few years ago. Lisa, you got interested in it, which got me interested in it. So I just started doing all kinds of digging and research and before Dave was actually very interested in it, but listening to podcasts, reading books, you and I talking about it on walks and stuff and just really digging deep. And it was just fascinating to me did a few of those online free assessments and it was pretty clear that I was a nine. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I think anybody who knows me is not surprised when they hear that about me. I I think I shared early on, like my, my first reaction, I, I was embarrassed and thinking, Oh my gosh, now everybody knows. Now everybody knows. <laughs> they see me with all my flaws. I feel like I'm standing in front of a crowd wearing just my underpants. And everybody <laughs> sees it all. It's just, it just was very like, mm-hmm. yes, Exposing. It, was, it was very weird. Yeah. Well, I want to just mention that the nine is the sweetheart of the Enneagram. And so they're just so tender hearted and sweet. And so they do kind of stand out because they are so sweet. And that is true of you. You are a very sweet spirit. If you get ugly, it's a, that's a whole nother level. We'll have to talk about nines getting ugly another time. It's happened. That's right. Yeah. And the thing I love about you going through this, you, you have wrestled through it so much, but I've seen your strengths come out so much. You've actually strengthened yourself through all of this as well. And then for myself, I'm a Enneagram three with a wing four recently taking the full assessment. Lisa helping me with that. Uh, the tri-type came out as a three, a seven and an eight. So I remember uh, you were, had discovered this and were researching it and diving into it first, Beth. And I, I had him nailed as a three. Mm, and I, I was really confused. I, I wasn't sure, but I found myself listening to podcasts and listening to her and talking. I was it. listening to him. So he got to listen. Yeah, to yeah. We, we had just bought this house and it was a fixer upper. We were, I was in the middle of remodeling it in a period of like a, a month. We had to get it remodeled. And I was halfway through it and hearing all of these descriptions. And I said, crud, I must be a three because everything that was driving me almost to madness was the need to redo the house that looked good for everybody else. Wow. I actually wanted it to be perfect for everybody else, Mm -hmm. not so much for myself. My fear of failure was, was driving me crazy too. Just like figuring that I might thinking, obsessing that I might do something wrong. Yeah. Screw something up. It was haunting me actually the whole time. I well, I specifically remember too, he was really obsessed about the grass in the front yard and he didn't really want people to come over until he could figure out how to make the grass look better. Wow. And I totally did not get it. I was like, the house looks fine. Nobody's going to care. Yeah. All the threes would. And I just realized how obsessive I get over the stuff, because if I find out we're having people over and you might have a possibility of giving them a tour of our upstairs bedroom and closets where people could see my, I, I might spend an hour or two cleaning my closet right. before yes. they get over here, just so they don't see me out of disorder. And so that kind of stuff haunts me and, and uh, it's really unhealthy. Mm-hmm. So that's so funny because twos, threes, and fours all are image focused. So I'm a two. I say the very same thing to James. We had people over last night and I'm like, if you plan on doing a tour, I need to know <laughs> because if you're going to take them in our bedroom, I'm going to be, uh, things are going to be different. 
And Lord forbid, because you would think that I wouldn't care about the garage, but if he takes people in the garage to see his bike, I lose my oh. mind. <laughs> yes, without oh, cleaning the garage. The garage is off limits right now. It's a disaster. Well, you know, the other thing that's interesting is, so you and I share the same tri-type, Dave, three, seven, and eight. I'm high in eight, and then seven's my second highest, and threes would be the third highest in, those, in that tri-type. Mm-hmm. But the way mine demonstrates is so much different than yours because I could care less about what my grass looks like and my closet is we, what it is. We do need to talk about your grass. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Dave. Well, the interesting thing is, is 378 is a mover shaker. The truth is both of y'all get crap done. Right. No matter what, because you're going to remove boulders, build things, do things. You're kind of people that actually we need in the world to actually do anything. Cause Bethany and I would be sitting around having coffee, enjoying company with That's one right. another. That's <laughs> right. Busy blanket and candle. That's, That's right. right. Okay. So I'm going to continue talking still individually. What have you learned about yourself through Enneagram? And maybe even some language that you came across that you didn't know about yourself prior to that. And then Dave, you can answer that same question. Well, conflict is a core fear of a nine. And I, I think I knew that, but I never really like recognized it deeply, like to the point of just a, so Dave, you know, his nickname in college was the instigator. My roommates call me that. So <laughs> he would just come in and he'd get a discussion going and everybody would start arguing and he'd just leave the room. And it would get me like so anxious, so nervous. And I, I didn't really realize that it was because I was afraid of conflict. I didn't know why, but as I started really digging into this, I was like, oh my gosh, it makes sense now. Yeah all these years later, like anytime someone has like a heated discussion, it causes me anxiety and I want to run away. So it just helped me learn, especially in marriage, how important it is to understand how to navigate conflict and have healthy conflict Mm. that it's okay to disagree. It's not the end of the world. He's not going to leave me, Right. (laughs) you know, it's okay. I just have to have courage to have those conversations and know that like, if we, if I can just lean in and Mm. take the discomfort for a little bit, once we get on the other side, we actually end up being closer. Yeah. So I think that was one, it was a really big learning for me because I really, really avoid conflict to a detriment for myself. So that was, that was one really big thing for me. And then I think the other one is probably just the fact that I feel so deeply, Mm. I, I identify with everybody. Like if I'm counseling someone at church and they're going through something really hard, I feel it with them and learning that I have to be really careful with that too, because I can take it with me. Yeah. You know, I love my empathy. I think it's a superpower, but I have to, I have to use it responsibly. Yeah. One of the things about you and about nines is they are actually secret workaholics. So just because you're kind and sweet and the sweetheart of the Enneagram and maybe appear to be passive, they actually are high worker bees and get a lot of things done, especially with your one wing, your all the details. That was a, that was another thing. I think when you asked earlier, like they have the different animals yes, with, that represent the different right. numbers. And I remember sloth was the one that was tied to a nine. And I was so offended. By yeah. that. I, it <laughs> upset me. 
And I think I might've even cried. I was so upset. I'm like, I'm not lazy. I'm not a lazy person. I work really hard. But when I realized that it's not that I'm lazy, it's that I actually don't do things for myself. I neglect, it's neglect. Like I neglect my needs. I neglect talking about dinner, having an opinion, like, where do you want to go to eat? Oh, I don't care wherever you want to go. It's fine with me. Mm -hmm. When I actually do have an opinion, it's easier just to let someone else choose. (laughs) Bethany, you and I have had the opportunity to work really close together for the last several years. And when we were both in our discovery of Enneagram, I remember one meeting that we were having and I was challenging you to be more aggressive in meetings and more assertive in meetings. And later, when we started understanding Enneagram, basically I was trying to get you to be me in eight. And when I started understanding that I was actually really challenging you, I was coaching you, leading you to be somebody that deep inside, you're just not wired that way. And you've grown and you've stepped into that. But I think that's an interesting understanding too in marriage, because when you understand how somebody is wired or things that maybe are, are challenging, like conflict, and you're trying to get them to be something they're not, it's not helping. It can be demotivating. And I think, Bethany, you found your voice, like you found your voice to speak for yourself. And that would be assertive for a nine, but it's certainly not going to look eight-ish. Right. Well, I was just going to say, even with you challenging me on that, though, I think because I... I had high trust in you. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't take it that way. I took it as like, okay, this is safe for me now mm-hmm. to be able to like, I, it's a safe place for me to be able to speak up and he's got my back. So that's, that's the good. thing I love about eights. Eights have your back. Yeah. Okay. Good. Mr. Dave, give it to us. What have you learned about yourself through Enneagram and maybe some words or language that you weren't able to otherwise articulate? Yeah, I think that I now understand how my wiring and how growing up both really had a hand in developing what my core driver, my motivations were, you know, to to get things done, the productivity, the efficiency, working so hard to prove my value and all of that. And then uh, my core fear of failing like the fear of failure and or or even just being viewed as uh, not knowing what I'm doing or incompetent. I think those fears haunt me all the time, like uh, to an obsessive level. I think one of the one of the huge ahams for me too, through um, just understanding uh, my type and hearing other people talk about it. And I, I don't know that I really understood this fully until I started hearing people talk about threes and being detached from their emotions or feelings. And I was like, holy cow. Yeah. That's why I don't, I haven't cried in like 15 years. Wow. So, <laughs> you know, I don't tear up over things. I, I don't feel my emotions or just not aware of it. It's like, they're useless to me. So I keep moving. And, and I think one of the other things that I I've really kind of tried to understand about me and grow in this fact is, is, you know, how to be okay with who I am. Uh, and like being, not just trying to um, get value from doing. So I want to, I want to try to grow in my value in in who I am instead of like what I'm achieving, what I'm doing all the time. Words that Enneagram gave me, I think core motivation, um, being task oriented. I think that's that's language that you know I can always associate with. Here's here's the painful one, chameleon. That that. <laughs> analogy of the three being a chameleon, like being able to blend in with the groups that they're in. Yeah, mm. that's completely me and completely embarrassing. Um, <laughs> and I think even that drives drives a three to be self-deceiving or this, that, that whole concept of self-deception, just understanding or believing a, a narrative that maybe not even 
would be genuinely me. But I think the cool thing is I've got now a deeper understanding of my emotions, how to listen to my body. My mm. body is actually the communicator of my emotions to me. And I'm actually like today He's was learning. A, yeah. He's learning to like pick up on those things. Yeah. My breath, my breathing, my heart, what's going on inside my gut. I'm actually listening to that now a lot more closely than I I used to just completely ignore it. And I think um, understanding the other types, having empathy for uh, what other people's fears are and what Mm -hmm. motivates them, having the empathy for that. And like, even just like, Oh, I just touched on disloyalty for, you know, for this person, for this type. And so that, that really gives me some great understanding. I think the the biggest thing that I probably, I don't know how many years it will still take me to really conquer this is being vulnerable. Mm. Um, I cannot be, there's still things that have happened that um, where I feel like I've failed or, or maybe the, just the appearance of failure. And, and uh, that still I, can't I still, I still won't vocalize it, you know, verbalize it. So today's not starting that either. Yeah. <laughs> that was, you were very vulnerable right then. It's really funny because Dave and I uh, cycle together probably three or four times a week and we're very close friends and, you know, I'll come back from a ride and, and this is like, what'd you guys talk about? I was like, nothing, you know, <laughs> like, how did you not talk about anything? You were at stoplights, you, you know, because, said you know, as an eight, I'm not very vulnerable either. And so we're like perfect for like not talking about anything together. So, right. yeah. but you got both a little competitive too. So that's, that's true. true. That's yeah. true. We push so each other. A couple of things I just want to highlight about what you said, Dave, which I think is amazing is the idea of emotions of being detached from them. Threes are known to be detached from emotions because they get in the way of productivity. So if they slow down productivity, they're going to push them aside and keep moving on. The interesting thing that when you mentioned that each triad, so you have the head, which is five, six, and seven, and then you have the body, which is eight, nine, and one, and then you have the heart, two, three, and four, the center of each of those, which would be six, nine, and three, all of them are more detached from the triad they're in. So sixes are more detached from the head. Nines are more detached from the body, which means they don't have as much action as the the eight and one. And threes are most detached from their emotions. So Mm. they rest in the center of the triad they're in, but they also struggle with the triad they're in. So so I just think that's interesting. And it makes you not feel bad that you're a three because you really are in the feeling triad. So anyway, I love that piece. Yeah. And the chameleon piece, and they also call him the politician of the Enneagram. Yes, it can be negative, but it actually can be very positive because people need to be motivated and look beyond the negative in life. That's good. Because as a chameleon of the Enneagram, you can actually step into a situation and bring life and direction because of the positivity and the blending and feeling. You probably feel the room. You're just not going to emote a lot of feelings. So just to put a positive spin on your threeness there. So. Well, let's jump into a little bit of the dynamic of the Ingram in your relationship. As you think about your marriage over the last 33 years, and now your understanding of your types a little bit more, do you see any places that there's been challenges, maybe in the area of communication that now Enneagram has helped shed light on? Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, and I think some of it actually goes back to the, the love languages too. Okay. Um, for me, I know the the love language for me is has has always been acts of service yeah. and so i show my love through to to you and communicate to you through doing things for you which was like, such a frustration for me the you know the early years i was like why are you in the kitchen cleaning 
I just want you to sit with me, (laughs) sit and talk with me, but he was trying to love on me and I just didn't appreciate it. So I think Enneagram has really kind of allowed us to take that, those love languages and go even deeper Mm -hmm. into understanding those and um, being able to communicate better to each other through that. So it's not just, okay, I need to focus on this love language. No, it's like, okay, these are things I actually have to say things I have to act in. The interesting thing is we like doing the same things. Mm-hmm. We just like doing them at different levels. So you'll go deeper into the details. You'll go deeper into the facts. And it's kind of my five popping the, out there. Yeah. You know, the researching thing. And I'm just cool. Let's let's go do it. And so I'm going to be a lot more high level and you're going to be a lot more in the details. Yeah. And I, I think it's real interesting that his, you know, that back to the love language, his love language is acts of service. And he's a doer he, as a three like he gets stuff done. And my love language is quality time, which really feels a lot like a nine, right? Like just come sit on the couch with me. Put on your lounge clothes. In my lounge clothes. (laughs) (laughs) In my cozy lounge clothes with my collection of blankets and candles. Right. And uh, let's talk. And so it was like really interesting when we did find out we were a three and a nine that all like all these years later, it's like all of the signs have always been there. And now it all just comes together and makes so much sense. And so I have more grace with him and he has more grace with me, but it all has really impacted our communication Mm -hmm. because being a three, he's go, go, go. He doesn't have time to slow down and talk about it. He just wants to get it done. Mm -hmm. So he tends to not communicate details and not tell me things, which I interpreted as, oh, he's just independent. But then there, then there's me and I am going to maybe avoid the conversation just because, well, it'll just all work itself out. If I say something, he could get a little irritated with me. So then you've got us not talking at all. Right. And yeah. then unmet expectations and Boom. There you yeah. go. In a conflict. Yeah. yeah. And just in case anybody listening doesn't understand the concept of lounge clothes, there there is a, <laughs> there's a there's a step down process from daily where like work you got work clothes through the day, and then as soon as you hit house, you go right to lounge clothes, which is the intermediary in between step to PJs, pajamas. So lounge right. clothes dominates the evening until until it's time for okay. bed. So what would be super romantic is that Dave comes home and gets in his own set of lounge clothes to say that we're going to hang out on the couch, right? Yeah. Yes, I have. He's actually come to my side. He's he's actually seen the value in that. Yeah, that is awesome. So what about the area of conflict resolution? How has it strengthened your relationship, especially in the area of conflict resolution or communicating better? Well, when we didn't communicate, we had conflict anyway. So I don't know what I was so afraid of. Like, <laughs> right. I might as well just, you know, talk about it because it, I'm either going to be upset now or later learning that conflict is okay. Yeah. And yeah, we're getting better at it. We haven't, we haven't figured it all out, but we are, we have language now to talk about it. We had a situation today that was a little tense because we didn't communicate well this morning and our whole day got off. Yeah. The the ride in the car was, was, we, we were pretty quiet in the car and and I, I've realized that one of the, well, one of the phrases that I've really held on to is being fully present in the here and now. And because distraction is so prominent with me, I can get distracted. So, so eye contact goes down. I'm looking the other way. I'm thinking about three other things while she's talking to me. So being fully present in the here and now 
has been a huge growth tool for me and reminding myself that I need to do that. And me learning to say what I need. Yeah, that's good. That's been, it's because sometimes I don't even know what I need. So I have to really, he has to be patient with me as I try to figure out how to articulate it. So yeah, that's been a thing for me. So for me now, just recently realizing that I'm not in touch with my emotions, I'm not only having to work harder at listening to you, like understanding you and listening to you, but actually listening to myself, like my body, mm-hmm. like what's going on in my gut. What's going on mm-hmm. with my heart, my breathing. So I've actually been more in tune with that now and being able I'm to so express <laughs> that has been so painful. Um, so explaining what's to you, what's going on inside of me while we're having conflict actually helps you. Yes. And it Human. actually gives you empathy for and sympathy for. Of course it yeah. does. Yes. It's, it's, not all it's, about it's a little bit of a turn on if I'm honest. So what happened today? Oh, then? How did this play out? Well, we were, we were heading out. We didn't really communicate on like the time I'm very conscientious. I'm usually not the late one, I'm not saying that he is, but I'm not usually the late one. <laughs> so I, par- I parked the car and I know we're minutes away from being in front of people and I can't, I'm not walking in front of people carrying this tension and I had to just stop. But it had been all morning. There yeah, was just, our, our, our gears were off. We just couldn't get back in sync. And then when we finally got to our destination, he just stopped the car and he goes, something's going on with my heart right now. He's like, this is not good. Is there, this is something and we got to talk about this. I, I can't go it. in feeling like this. Yeah. And it was so cool to me that he recognized that. So I just, yeah, I think we made out for a minute in the car. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're, he's got incentive to be honest about his feelings now. I know. That's right. <laughs> I love it. So, Dave, where do you feel it in your body most often when something, or what did where did you feel it today? Um, what part was it? Breathing, chest, arms, back. What was it? It was kind of like the top part of my gut and a little bit of my breathing. Okay. It, it got a little tough and it, it's, it's weird. It's almost like a cramp. So hard to describe. And it, but because I would typically just jump out of the car say, Oh, I got to catch my breath. I'm going to, I'm going to breathe a little harder right now just to, to blow past it and then just keep going. Um, right now I, I like, no. Okay. Now I, I recognize that I've got a, something's going on. That's good. Bethany, where's yours? You typically land. Where do you feel? Oh, it's in my, in my chest, just uh breathing. I can't catch my breath, like heart racing, that kind of a thing. Gotcha. Yeah. James, where's it in your, I think it's in my head. Like I, I feel a lot of pressure. Like if I start mm-hmm. getting pressure in my head, that's something's off or I'm feeling it. Interesting. Mine's always in my throat. So I feel um, if it's real intense, I may think I'm going to throw up, but it's usually mm-hmm. a pressure a shakiness in my throat. But all of these things, I think it can change, but mine is typically always my throat. Our indicators, we all share a mutual friend, Lance Witt, who this was, I heard it from him years ago. He's talked about your body is a major prophet. It's going to let you know what you need if you listen. And so to me, when my throat starts getting like that, or like your chest is is going What's going on? What conversation do I need to have or what I need to pull away from? I will usually tell James, just as you told Bethany, I'll say, I'm feeling nervous. I'm feeling uncomfortable and I can't pinpoint it, but I want to feel better between us. And so I love that. I love that you guys have that 
language together. And it's really weird because James, you know, you're so competitive and, and with like cycling and, and we're always like in tune with our bodies when it comes to that, like action yeah. motive, you know, uh, oriented, but when it comes to relation, relational, conversational, that's where the awareness for me is like, Oh man, I, I have some work to do in that area. So. Yeah, that's that is a, that is an interesting thought because when you asked that question, Lisa, I really had to think about it because I don't know that I'm super in tune with it. But like, if there's conflict or something, I usually that's where it would hit me. But I I actually had to stop and think about that because, and I think that's a good thing for all of us to think about because it is true that your body's gonna reveal something's going on. If I ignore that, it will it'll move to my back or my jaw. So if I'm at my back, if I'm in between my shoulder blades or my jaw's locking up, I have now I've just been vulnerable. Anyone who knows if I have back problems or jaw problems, they're going to know I have not been listening to myself and pacing myself. So yeah, that's good. Well, this has been awesome and we love you guys and we love doing life with you and just really appreciate you taking the time to be on the podcast with us. Thanks for having us. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. And just again, because you guys have known me for so long, I'm sorry. <laughs> but, but I think we're... You're I, such good friends. We put up with so much we're, with us. We're really working on this. And I think our marriage is stronger because yeah. of this. You're stronger as a person. I've seen you work through a lot of these challenges and like you get bold and like, that that was awesome. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So we're, we are really working on each other and encouraging each other. Y'all do a great job. And we, you know what? You've seen all of our ugliness too. So that's right. So much more. So we're in it for the long haul. Man, there's so much good information in right? the interview. We hope you found it helpful. And we want to thank Dave and Bethany again for being on the show. And we want to thank you for listening today. We would love to hear your thoughts and answering your questions about what was shared today. And you can email us at hello at artespousing.com just to say hi, or you can hit us up on Facebook at artespousing. You can also direct message us using Instagram at artespousing. Please let your friends know by sending them a link to the show. You can also help other people find the podcast by rating and reviewing us, and we'd appreciate that. We invite you to join us back next week. We're going to have a conversation. James, I'm so excited about this. You and I are going to have a conversation about strengthening our marriage by building on common ground, and who doesn't want to do that? Yeah, it's going to be really good. It's going to be great. So have a great week, and we will see you next time on the Art of Spousing Podcast. Until then, bye-bye.